0: Gensler is attacking crypto. And this has resulted in major drawdowns across the crypto market. So in today's show, I'm going to be explaining exactly what is happening with the SEC, exactly went down overnight, which projects are most at threat, and also the narrative amongst all this mess that is actually going to benefit from the the regulatory clampdown and could potentially come out stronger on the other side. So it's been an absolutely crazy day in crypto. Let's go go over every single thing that happened. And we can see that in the market, most coins are down today significantly. But interestingly, Bitcoin and Ethereum um, are down almost just as much as the altcoins right now. So if we do look at Bitcoin dominance, although there has been a tick up in dominance, the strength in general um, has been taken out of the market pretty much evenly across the board. Although some alts, like some of the really pumped up altcoins um, that was super hot have come down more than the others. It is mainly um, just an overall crypto sell-off, which is off the back of regulatory fears. Of course, Ethereum comes under that purview, which is why Ethereum is a coin that had dumped so much overnight. But we are going to get um, into all the charts. I'll give you my Bitcoin levels. Um, I'll tell you what I'm looking at, my invalidation scenario uh, and also the recovery scenario. But of course, before we get into any of the prices, let's actually talk um, about fundamentally what went down over the last 24 hours because a lot happened. So it all started yesterday afternoon for me or nighttime in America where Brian Armstrong, the CEO and founder of Coinbase came out and said, we're hearing rumors that the SEC would like to get rid of crypto staking in the US for retail customers. I hope that's not the case as I believe it would be a terrible path for the US, if that was allowed to happen, staking is an important innovation in crypto. It allows users to participate directly in running crypto open networks. Staking is not a security. Here's a good primer. So he was making his argument. He said, hopefully, we can work together to publish clear rules for the industry. So there was rumors that staking was at threat. Tom Emma came back um, out in, in response to some of these rumors and said, to be clear, staking enables more people to, to participate in building the next generation of the internet. Gary Gensler's regulatory purgatory strategy hurts everyday Americans the most, leaving them in the dust while those opportunities are accessible offshore. So basically what we are hearing and what we saw through the um, Kraken news um, is what the SEC is doing is they're going after staking. Now, primarily, Ethereum is one of the networks that I think w- will be m- most targeted. And the staking side that's being targeted the most is the centralized side. So not necessarily the decentralized side of staking, but the centralized side. So what they can control is the exchanges, like Kraken, like Coinbase, et cetera, offering crypto staking products um, and offering products through the US. Now, of course, if we get into a real decentralized clampdown on certain um, on ramps into crypto, then that is, is going to be a huge issue. Um, like, for example, if the US starts blocking um, certain ways you can access decentralized sites, of course, that's going to really start um, to hurt crypto. But for now, what we are seeing is actions being taken against centralized entities. Now, RAN came out in response and said by attacking centralized players in the US, the SEC is forcing retail Americans to learn how to use Web3 and DeFi. They don't see it yet, but they are forcing real adoption. And I would say there's two things that the SEC clamping down on staking is, is going to do. The first thing is it's going to drive innovation offshore. So all that cool innovation that's happening in crypto, all that Web3 innovation that's happening in crypto in the US, that's going to be driven completely offshore. Now, the US has already done this um, by alluding to the fact that they are going to be clamping down on crypto. But now that we've seen... Um, actual sanctions starting to uh, come to light, that's just going to drive even more people out of the country. And this is a very dangerous game for the U.S. to play because the U.S. used to be a place of innovation. I mean, just look at Silicon Valley. Look at all the great, amazing tech companies that that came out of the USA. Now what they're doing is, is they're kind of, um, they're really stifling innovation and they're forcing a lot of Web3 development now to happen offshore. And I think that's actually a danger to the U.S.'s national security. So for me, it doesn't make sense. And for me, um, a lot of this clampdown, I think, is actually being driven uh, by an underlying motive. And I would imagine that's the motive being pushed by the big banks who maybe feel threatened by Web3 and who Gensler, in some roundabout way, is trying to help um, by imposing strict sanctions upon crypto. And I kind of find it funny because that whole FTX saga, Gensler basically sat on his hands and did nothing. Um, basically, did not take action despite one of the biggest frauds in history taking place on American soil. But now uh, he, he's going after staking, which is you know a, a, a great feature of crypto and a feature that allows people to to earn yield on crypto assets and a feature that um, you know gets people using US exchanges, which in the end, if re- if regulated properly, is a benefit for the US. But they're actually attacking those as well, um, despite you know them not doing anything during the whole FTX saga. So it's pretty crazy. Now, Eleanor said and this is her inside scoop, um, so it's not true, but you know, these are the rumors that are powering a lot of this sell-off, that Gary Gensler is embarking on a midnight massacre in an attempt to bring all of crypto under his control. In the coming weeks, the SEC... New york division and the us occ will bring a myriad of enforcement actions against exchanges and banks and this is what is happening starting with kraken as i alluded to before as the sec charged kraken for the unregistered offer and sale of securities through its staking as a service program whether it's through staking as a service lending or other means crypto intermediaries must provide the proper disclosures and safeguards required by our laws i'm not going to play this video because frankly, just listening to this guy talk pisses me off a little bit. Um, but basically, all, what you need to know is that Kraken is the first centralized entity that the SEC is going after. And they officially charge them for the unregistered offer and sale of securities to its staking as a service program. Notice this word security here. Um, Ethereum is something that Kraken was offering staking to. Um, so in the, they're kind of alluding to now Ethereum being a security, um, which is another argument altogether, which has ramifications across the industry as a whole. But the fact that the SEC hasn't come out and provided clear regulatory guidelines, like a clear path for for Kraken to follow in terms of what is a security and what isn't a security, but then slaps this charge on them um, and forces them to settle, and in response Kraken actually removes staking, is just absolutely crazy to me because there's been no clarity over the definition of these assets, um, but but they they seem clear um, in their approach to wanting to define these assets via taking action uh, against these centralized parties, which is crazy. So it's official Kraken uh, agreed to close staking as part of a settlement with the US Securities and Exchange Commission. And unfortunately, this sets a pretty bad precedent for, unfortunately, uh, entities like Coinbase um, potentially could be the next ones to follow here. And I think this is going to set off a bit of a chain reaction amongst uh, centralized staking players where the SEC comes after those centralized players as well so it's a simple story the sec is going after staking they don't like stable coins um they're going after centralized exchanges uh to cross the, the crypto market makers and give freeway to the banks to rule the crypto market now this is a bit of an overarching um kind of uh, opinion on this whole um event but what i would say is in general i do think that the SEC does have an underlying motive to support the banks in some kind of way. And it does seem like a lot of this um, regulatory action is being driven by their allegiance with the big banks in America. And and as I said, I think Gary feels threatened because it's crazy that you can just allow FTX to take place and then all of a sudden start sanctioning centralized players. Um, They know they're fucked too late, so they partner with good old Gary. Um, I, I think that's quite funny. But I think the, like, the approach is totally wrong, um, but at the end of the day, this is what's happening and there is a war um, on crypto that is taking place. So we have to be pragmatic here as investors and traders uh, and work out what our best course of action is in terms of how we think this will affect the market. And I do think it affects the market in a few ways, which I'm going to get into. So obviously price-wise, there, there are ways it affects the market. And then there are also narratives that it's very good for and very bad for. It's bad for the centralized exchange narrative. Um, and it's bad for some of the uh, coins that could be called securities, at least in the short term, until like there's more of a framework around them. The reason I say that is because something like Ethereum, which is labeled a security, um, you know, although Ethereum is like a great product and I love it long-term, it is inevitably going to cause some FUD in the short term. And FUD in the short term, can affect prices in the short term irrespective of where we think it's going in the long term Um, and then i also think it's positive for some narratives like the staking narrative um that some of the defi projects that are going to see potentially an influx in liquidity as people move away from centralized products i'll get into the coins um towards the end of this show that i think are going to be the biggest beneficiaries another crazy thing that the sec did before we get into the charts is they filed a motion to dismiss the alleged lacking of subject matter jurisdiction to prove its ability to keep its secret on position on ETH so essentially what that means is the SEC holds ETH or it's speculated that they hold ETH Um, there was a filing against the SEC for the SEC to reveal how much ETH they actually hold but they are they just filed a motion to dismiss actually having to go through with that motion which means they won't have to provide if this is successful how much Ethereum they actually hold so it's a bit weird they're kind of covering up um, the what they actually hold And the U.S. has kind of been clear in its approach through roundabout methods to actually control the Ethereum network. For example, they claimed like a few months ago that because uh, the majority of ETH validators were run in the U.S., that the U.S. owned Ethereum. So it seems like, Um, they do feel threatened and they're trying to control in any means they can. And Eleanor said, while this is not surprising, it's actually kind of mind-blowing. The SEC is being sued to disclose its position on ETH in the interest of businesses and investors, but instead of being transparent, it's filing a motion to dismiss So we can carry on with RBE when protection. So very crazy stuff happening at the moment. So I'm getting questions now, hold or sell. How's this going to affect prices? Bitcoin's going to 18K. Let's just look. Let's actually look at the charts and map out some scenarios here instead of speculating and going too crazy. Let's zoom out first before we go onto the four hourly, the one hourly and look at what, you know, where we are in terms of price levels. Let's just zoom out. Let's go into the daily chart. Let's get up my favorite 200MA and look at whether we are in a bull trend or a bear trend. And for me, Whenever we're in a bull trend, um, at least, you know, on the slightly shorter time frames, uh, this will be when we are above the 200MA. And when we are in a bear trend in general, uh, this is when we're below the 200MA. So we've seen historically, whenever we bounce off the 200MA, this tends to result in, a, in positive price action. We saw it here. We saw it all the way back down here where we saw positive price action. And we saw it here as well when we've seen a nice um, bounce from Bitcoin and altcoins in response. And whenever we break below the 200MA, that's when we see bearish price action. So we broke below here. We saw a big run to the downside. We broke below here as well. We saw a big run to the downside. And now we are actually still above the 200 MA, but we look like we're coming down and testing on the daily. So for me, I'm not completely panicking and it's not panic stations yet of new lows until we break below the 200 MA on the daily. If that happens, then our entire theses have to change, obviously. Um, and and we have to price in the bearish scenario a lot uh more significantly than maybe we, we we would right now sitting here but as long as we're above the 200MA I don't think it's a cause to like go too crazy and panic but there are some levels on the shorter time frames which could indicate that we are going to come and down come down and test those levels so let's zoom in now and take a look at where we sit so this is the range that I outlined for the past few weeks, and it's the range that we've largely been trading. Um, and we could see that we broke down below the bottom of the range. So, the super important level for Bitcoin to hold was 22,300. Like, that was really, really important. And for the bulls, we really needed to hold 23,000. 23,000 23, was the level that Bitcoin needed to make. A higher high, and it also needed to continue this pattern of higher lows. So we saw it was it was printing higher low, higher low, higher low, and then we saw a sequence of higher lows here. That was good for Bitcoin. That indicated that the next level um, that they had to, to reclaim was t- uh eight hundred, twenty three nine hundred to push up to the upside. Of course, that didn't happen um, because of this SEC news, because of the uphill battle that we're going to have, and probably the news we're going to get over the the next few weeks about centralized exchanges and security laws and all that stuff. Bitcoin ended up breaking down, and the key level that it broke was this 22,300 level. Um, and now we are currently sitting mid-range. So this is the next key level that I see for Bitcoin. And that is the 21,500 level. 21,45 to 21.5. This is the next level that Bitcoin needs to hold. Now I am expecting a short-term bounce here. Um, personally, I don't see us just shitting straight through and then going back down to 20K. I do see like, that th- there is a fair amount of support around this level, and that's because that is also in confluence with that 200MA on the daily that we talked about before. Uh, Martin just said you short of 23K. That was a very good short, and actually the, the-, the chart that I've had um, was indicating this was a very good um, short zone at the 23 level and then this was a very good long zone So I did take a short term long here um, and then we also got rejected again So you if, if you've been trading my levels trading these ranges um, As long as you've had like decent stop losses and we're using the right amount of leverage You actually would have walked away uh, quite significantly ahead from that But of course not everyone watches my shows not everyone had those levels. So that's okay. Now. I think what we have to look at um, is the 21,500 scenario in terms of a bounce um, from Bitcoin at that level. Now, if we break below that level um, on the four hourly and confirm beneath um, and get rejected off this level, then the next level is 20K. So I do see like a, a violent move downwards if that happens, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. Now, of course, this is just speculation. Like I'm, I'm not a genius. All I can do is read the charts and kind of go off momentum. Um, that, that is what could definitely happen if we break down, but I do see a bounce before things get too crazy. Um, the next thing I want to show you is Ethereum because Ethereum is the really like the, the leader of the altcoins. And this is actually the one that is most significantly under the SEC's purview. This is the one where staking is trying to be controlled. This is the one that could be labeled as security and uh, affect a lot of the other L1s. So Ethereum is really like... The, the, the coin that we have to watch right now, um, above and beyond Bitcoin. And interestingly, over the past few weeks, Ethereum's strength has kind of started to um, started to wane as Bitcoin really took responsibility for some of the major pumps. That's one of the reasons why Bitcoin dominance, although it had increased, it didn't like skyrocket like we've seen in previous bull trends where, uh, you know, Ethereum and coins have significantly led. Uh, although coins did lead, Ethereum didn't actually lead this pump, but it is leading this dump. So it's very important now to look at Ethereum and kind of work out where we are from an Ethereum sense. Now, interestingly, because Ethereum didn't pump so hard, it didn't. It never created a second range. So you'll see Bitcoin uh, broke out of this bull flag, then created a second range. And that was the key range for Bitcoin to consolidate to uh, before uh, taking its next decision. Whereas Ethereum, it's maintained its exact same structure. We did have extension above this price range and we did see some positive price movement uh, in the upper end Echelons of the range, but in general, it's still been range bound. So the level that I'm seeing for Ethereum uh, equivalent to to Bitcoin 21.5 is 15.15. I think the 1500 level for Ethereum is super important. If it breaks 1500, there's not much in the way of 1300 guys. So 1500 needs to hold for Ethereum. That's a very, very, very key level. Um, otherwise, I think there 's really not much here like there 's barely any resistance uh, on the four alley and even on the daily chart, if we zoom out there 's not much resistance as well like look at this massive dump that we had in November because of FTX that level moves super 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 quick and this is also a level in the past that 's moved super quick to the downside, and then again um, in terms of the upside, which we had. Uh, pre-merge, pre-August. Um, so that level doesn't have much resistance. So what I do see for Ethereum is really, really, really important that it holds the 1500 level or going down to 1300 can happen very, very, very quickly. So what I would do is I would look, um, and I'm probably going to look at doing this, taking like a small long at 15 um, 16 to 1525 in that region, then setting my stop below at uh, like 1495. like that is super, super, super tight, so I'm not risking too much capital. it's not like a crazy trade or anything. Uh, it's more of like a scalp bounce trade, and then hoping for a reversal, like we're starting to see signs of now. Or in the case that it does reject and then test below and then it looks like there's further downside, that's a great place to take a short. But I wouldn't short right now. Like if you're a day trader, shorting right now is, I mean, it's just pretty low risk reward because if you're shorting right now, you're only really shorting in the hopes of a, like what would the total move be here? You're shorting in the hopes of a 2% move. And I mean, if you're a really short term trader, then sure, like you you could take that 2% scalp. 10x leverage, make 20%. But for me, it's just not a high risk reward play. Um, so Ethereum, I mean, it, it's still holding up. And, and I think that's the same thing with Bitcoin right now. It is still, it's not like panic stations yet. It hasn't broken levels to make me say, oh my God, we're going back to the, to the 19, 18 new lows. Like it, it hasn't reached that point yet, but it is getting dangerously close. So keep your eye on these key levels for Bitcoin and keep your eye on the key level for Ethereum because if it breaks, it can get ugly. But until it breaks, don't panic. That is my number one lesson. And if it does start breaking, you can de-risk out of altcoins um, and you can take some profits off the table there. But until that happens, I'm not panicking. And the 200MA on the daily is a major sign that I'm looking at as well. Now, I don't mean to scare you guys, but Trader SC, um did a very interesting thought experiment here on his Bitcoin chart. And I thought I'd highlight it because I found it quite um, quite crazy. And it's that, okay, although in the short term you know bitcoin's like breaking out of this range and it has support there is a longer term time frame here um if you go into the daily or the weekly chart that technically is just forming one big range that we could just go sideways in for like a for a while and he said zooming out we haven't really broken the high time frame range could keep ranging for ranges piss everyone off ranging is more painful than a straight nuke boredom's dangerous now this is like my max pain scenario and i don't, I don't necessarily think it will happen but i'm giving it to you guys just as a bit of a thought experiment The Max pain scenario for Bitcoin is actually not a dump. Um, It's not a dump straight down to new lows because actually a lot of people are sidelined and want new lows to buy more. The Max pain scenario is this range where it wipes people out when it dumps and then it pumps and then it sucks everyone back in and then it dumps again and then it pumps again. And it's just this sideways range for a long, long time until eventually like all the trust in the markets eroded. That is actually what Max pain looks like. And of course, it doesn't necessarily have to happen, but I just think it's an interesting thought experiment. Um, but there is projects in this market which are going to benefit off the current regulatory FUD. And that's something I want to talk about now to cheer the mood up a little bit and look at the stronger narratives in the market uh, that could potentially outperform here. Now, another thing that may cheer you up um, is the fact that we still have a couple of weeks on this Rolex um, giveaway at the moment, so you could potentially win a black submariner or a $25,000 um, blue sub, a blue and gold sub, which is like one of the most sought after watches um, in the watch space. So if you haven't signed up and take, um, taken advantage of this competition, then you still can using the links in the description for either signing up for a BitGet account or a Bybit account. And trading once, and every single trade is an entry into the comp to win a Rolex. Just thought that might cheer up the mood a bit. Um, if you win a Rolex, that 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 might make things a, a little bit easier at the moment, despite the shaky market conditions. So yeah, linked in the description for Bitget or Bybit. Look, you can sign up for either one of them. If you don't have Bybit, you do Bitget or vice versa. And there's also big sign up bonuses. So thirty k on Bitget, eight k on Bybit. Um, uh so sorry, thirty k on Bybit, eight k on Bitget. So yeah, I mean, you can potentially win a Rolex, and that's happy days. So let's get into some of the other stuff as well. So essentially, these rumors are a bit of an issue for the US. And the issue for the US, as I alluded to before, is that it is going to drive drive a lot of innovation offshore. But the thing is the SEC can't just act in, in isolation here. They do have stakeholders to take care of. And although they can slap all sorts of crazy restrictions on the market, the courts still have to approve a lot of big decisions that potentially threaten national US security, right? So the US has a law, a legal structure, which the SEC still has to abide to before it declares anything a security or before it really starts to hit some of these entities. So Jake came out and said, thankfully, we're a country of laws. Even if the SEC would like to get rid of crypto entirely, even if they would like to, which they probably do, um, which may be the case, the law and the courts won't allow it. And we have seen a lot of senators um, and a lot of congressmen and congresswomen come out and speak out against Gensler. So this isn't just a zero-sum game where everyone in parliament is trying to kill crypto. This is a game where you have many different vested interests in this market. People that are advocates of decentralization, people that are advocates of centralization, um, people that are closed-minded, people that are open-minded. And those opinions are now starting to come to light. For example, Commissioner Hester M. Pierce came out and said the SEC's shutdown on Kraken was counted as a win for investors, but I view it, um, I disagree and therefore dissent. Kraken operated a service through which its customers could offer their tokens up for staking. The customers earned returns and the company earned a fee. The SEC argues the staking program should have, never been, re- should have been registered with the SEC as a securities offering. So they're claiming that it should have been registered as a securities offering before they opened the program. And whether one agrees with this analysis or not, the more fundamental question is whether SEC registration would have been possible. In the current climate, crypto-related offerings are not making it through the SEC's registration pipeline. And this is what is crazy to me. One, even if you do apply um, for a securities offering with the SEC, you might have to wait months or years or you may never get it because they haven't uh, established uh, regulatory clarity here. And two, they also haven't given us clarity over individual Asset definitions. So they haven't explicitly came out and said this is a security, this isn't this. So exchanges don't really know what to do. You can't blame Kraken for not applying for a securities offering when you don't even know what the assets are, are defined as from the SEC's perspective, and you don't even know that, even if that is the case, that you will get SEC approval because the registration pipeline's so blown out at the moment. So for me, it's really, really crazy that um, that that they're going after Kraken and in 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 the future, probably other crypto exchanges as well, like Coinbase. So I do think, once again, um, more transparency around staking programs like this is needed and more transparency over um, the definitions of different assets as well. Adam Cochrane says, timely reminder that the Ethereum is a security website outlines the legal arguments of e-staking under the Howey test. I believe the SEC would likely go after centralized parties offering staking and not proof of stake itself as that that would be harder to fight and could crush them in precedent. So now I want to pivot into this discussion of how this affects DeFi, right? How this affects proof of stake itself and not just centralized exchanges because um, let's say centralized exchange staking programs are taken down. Where does that liquidity now flow? Where do people that would have previously staked with Coinbase now stake their Ethereum? And the answer to me is very clear. It's liquid staking derivatives, right? So let's say Coinbase now gets slapped um, with a huge clampdown on their staking programs. Coinbase has 1 million Ethereum. So over a billion dollars, actually one and a half billion dollars worth of Ethereum staked, right? If Coinbase has to shut down like Kraken, that's one and a half billion dollars worth of Ethereum that has to go somewhere. And where's it going to go? Well, it's going to go into DeFi, in my opinion. Now, not all of it, of course, but we are going to see some outflow from centralized exchanges and some inflow into decentralized networks which offer um, liquid staking. Because Coinbase and Kraken currently account for 20% of stake ETH. All LSD staking providers account for 33%. So the liquid staking derivatives market can grow by 60%, even if demand for staking stays flat and we just see a rotation from centralized entities to decentralized entities. And there are a few beneficiaries from this. Now, I talked about this on yesterday's show. I said that one of the narratives I'm looking out for is the liquid staking derivative narrative because the Shanghai upgrade is coming um, in a couple months. And I do expect a run-up in liquid staking derivatives ahead of that because what the state, the Shanghai upgrade is enabling is redemptions of Ethereum from the beacon chain. So you can actually redeem ETH one for one now, whereas before you'd stake ETH and you couldn't get it back. And And what this will do, I think, is... Increase the overall interest in, in Ethereum staking because more people are going to be more comfortable staking Ethereum now that they know there is a one-for-one redemption. And when you do see more people interested in staking Ethereum, they have a choice. Do I stake through a validator, which is expensive and, and yeah, costly, time-consuming, or do I stake through a liquid staking protocol where I can keep my staked Ethereum and still use it for DeFi so I can still learn it out? I can still earn yield on it. I can still redeem it for my original Ethereum if I want to. Well, the answer is a lot of people are going to go for liquid staking. Now, that is why I do see pre-Shanghai a run-up in LSD protocols. And that's the thesis that I've explained to you a few weeks ago and then yesterday again. But what we got today was actually a big change. Um, A big change in the market dynamic here for these staking protocols because of the news uh, about Kraken and because of the anticipated crackdown from the SEC, which has resulted in this LSD narrative starting to gain some momentum again because it's the only logical place now that people will be able to stake if they climb down on centralized exchanges, right? So what I think will happen is it will be a net positive for LSD tokens as they can gain market share. So it does lead to Ethereum is a security FUD. I think overall, this is bearish news for Ethereum. Overall, it's bearish news for L1s, at least in the short term. Long term, I'm not as worried, but at least in the short term. But it is bullish in the same way that it's bearish for Ethan in the short term. It's bullish in the short term for LSDs. So... Okay, what? how do you get involved with this narrative then? First thing is I wouldn't ape in because this is a FUD-driven narrative now. Um, although it is driven by fundamentals, like the Shanghai upgrade, a lot of this is being FUD-driven. So it's not necessarily time, in my opinion, for you to just ape in um, and, and go crazy because the reality about FUD is that it can go both ways. There might be new news that comes out and changes the market dynamic here. For example, the SEC might come out and retract what they're doing, or they might... I don't know, there might be a big market shift. That's why it becomes hard to trade. But in general, because we do have some fundamental driver behind this, which is Shanghai, I think you can accumulate. I think you can accumulate. And I think these tokens are still going to be strong performers relative to the market. And if Bitcoin does respond positively, well, we know the strongest performers in the market tend to outperform. So LSDs can definitely perform. Now, I've been positioning myself in Lido for quite some time. So just full transparency, I was buying the Lido dip during the FTX saga. I was buying Lido um, during December, even some in January. Um, and this is one that I'll continue to DCA into probably with like a three to six month time horizon. Let's see if it pumps hugely, I'll take profits, but let, let, let's let see on that one. So I want to talk about a few now just quickly. And tomorrow I'm doing a full show on this so you'll understand it better. But let me just give you the TLDR today. So remember to um to watch tomorrow's show because that's going to be a big one. That'll explain the entire narrative and go through more counterparties to the narrative. But the thing with Lido is um, it's one of the only tokens now which is showing bu- bullish price momentum and it is largely the leader of these other protocols. So there's Rocket Pool, there's Frax, there's Anchor, there's ones that have pumped harder uh, and, and might even pump harder in the future. But Lido being the biggest, with the biggest market share, this tends to lead this trend. Now, what I see from Lido is um, a clear structure forming. I'm seeing clear support at 238 and I'm also seeing a diagonal trend, um, which is like roughly 2.5 at the moment. So what I would do is I'd look to accumulate Lido in this zone. So y- you've got this zone in the short term um, for a bounce of support. So let's say we head towards this this support area. Um, this could be a decent top-up zone, right? And then obviously then you're hoping for, for a positive response and then a higher, higher. This is the bullish trend for LIDO. So that's one place that I'd look at buying. You can also go like 30-30-30 approach, which is DCA 30% now, 30% on um, the bounce, and then you know another 30% just in case we get a test of the horizontal range, which is this 2.4 range. But that that is kind of my rough plan with LIDO. So I think it's a decent hold. Um, if you're going to be long any tokens in this market, being long LSDs is not terrible. Um, kind of because, look, if there's more FUD, they probably bounce because people anticipate centralized clampdowns to continue. And that also results in more people entering liquid staky derivatives, which is a bullish for them. But if the market responds positively, so Bitcoin pumps and Ethereum pumps, well, these LECs aren't going to dump too much. Um, because it's, it's in positive market momentum, it's hard to see them like correcting too much. So it's a decent risk reward play. You've also got Rocket Pool up 20% today. Don't buy into a 20% pump. Wait for a pullback on Rocket Pool. So I'd say Lido looks better than Rocket Pool. Um, Rocket Pool similar, has like, I think, an 8% share of the LSD market. And this is another one I'd look at. Frax, I actually prefer, I think. Frax is because it's kind of multi segmented. So you, you have exposure to liquid staking derivatives. You've got exposure to DeFi. You've got exposure to like a few different narratives. So I definitely consider. Um, consider Frax as well. I think it's at a better price level than, than Pool. and then you've also got Anchor. Um, Anchor's another LSD protocol. So these are the the the, the four that I'd look into. Try and buy pullbacks if you can. Donate in, or at least come up with a plan to DCA. Um, the reason I say that is because narratives can reverse very quick in the market. But I do see this one having some runway, um, so it's one I'm willing to take a bet on. And I said that in yesterday's show as well. So just take a look into liquid staking because I think that's where the rotation goes. And I'm just going to get into a quick AI update now because I know a lot of you want to know what's happening with the AI market. Uh, Before we get into the AI stuff, uh, I just want to remind you, OKX, who are now officially a show sponsor, have a $10,000 mystery box. So if you want to cheer yourself up today, one very easy way to do that would just be sign up to an X account in the description. And even before you deposit anything, you can open a mystery box, which can give you up to $10,000 in free crypto. So literally for like one minute's worth of work, you can um, get a free crypto mystery box. And Actually, this is really fun to open. I opened mine the other day. I think I got like $10. So I didn't hit the jackpot. I was disappointed, but um, you, can, you can win up to 10000 And so they give away all sorts of stuff could get anything inside the mystery box. So there's a link in the description to OKX if you would like to sign up um, and try your luck there. I mean, it's basically risk-free. Also, they do have a deposit um, of $10,000, uh, a sign-up bonus. So if you do deposit after you open your mystery box, you can also win up to $10,000 worth, um, worth of crypto. They have a deposit bonus as well. Okay, let's get into the AI narrative. I just want to update you guys very, very quick and then I'll answer some questions. This is one that's been very hot. This is been a total market outperformer over the past uh, few weeks. But as I said in yesterday's show, the strongest performers are the strongest performers in an uptrend and a narrative that's so overextended like this oftentimes can reverse and become a weak performer in a downtrend. So we had the clear levels here to um, start shorting or de-risking, and we did break two of those levels. And now, although we are approaching support on Bitcoin, it has hurt the AI tokens because they were so overextended. And when you get a frothy narrative, it, they, they tend to be the ones that dump the most. Um, but the thing is, as soon as Bitcoin reverses now, it could be one that that pumps the most as well. So with AI projects, my plan hasn't really changed from the past couple of days. The only difference is there is now a chance that this $0.33 cent level for FET's in play. And the reason I'm talking about FET is because FET and Ocean are like market leaders because they're some of the biggest AI projects. So if we do get a rejection then buying Fed at the $0.33 cent level is not bad at all because basically we had like what is a short-term blow off top? All that hype um, at that point will have been erased. So if we come down and then test here, that's like a decent accumulation zone. I-, I view that as quite decent because you've kind of blown off. Let's see what it is from lows to highs. Yeah, 80% worth of market hype. You've, you've blown off 80% worth of market hype just because of, of a correction. And if you guys do notice, this this recent pump that was all google driven so this whole latest run up was all google driven the first one was microsoft and then google announced their investment and then we got a second pump so i think coins like FET, ocean ali um what are some of the other ones Adjix, you know all these super strong performers they could be decent ones if you if if you're looking at longing you can look at the ai or coins to long so it's basically a game of okay if i think bitcoin's bouncing let's long AI, because AI probably bounces the hardest, but then you have to really be careful with where you set your stops because AI also probably dumps the most. So if you're going to long anything, I think AI is a decent bet. Obviously, liquid-staking derivatives are going to be mu- a much bigger b- b- bit of your portfolio percentage-wise, right? It's stupid to ape into um, ape into AI and like neglect the strongest narrative in the market, which is LSDs. But in terms of just capturing pure upside, gaming, I th- um, sorry, AI, I think we're getting another decent look at. So, you got a few of them FET, Ocean, Alley, the graph as well. Let's just have a quick look at the graphs chart. Uh, it looks very, very similar. So, for the graph, I think 13.2 13, is my level. For Alley, my level, this level broke. So, that then flipped into a short. And then the next level is now at um, 5.1. For Ocean, that level is, and this definitely could reject here. So, just watch this because this definitely could reject in the short term. Uh, Ocean's level is 39, and then FET's level is 33. So that is your scenario if Bitcoin tests this lower range because what happens is if it tests here and kind of does a little bit of this stuff, hangs around in the the lower ends of its range, then AI is probably going to bleed a little bit, and that's when you're going to see those levels that I just referenced probably bounce off them. Um, They're not on all centralized exchanges, though. So if you want to trade AI coins, um, although there are, like, I think Ocean's on Bybit, I think the graphs on Bybit and BitGet as well. I don't think FET is on all exchanges or Ali or Ajax and stuff are. So, one one way to do one way to trade these would be to use KyberSwap, which is a DEX aggregator. So, it'll just basically you can pick any network and it will find the best uh, route to buy that at the best possible price. So, if you are trading AI, one way to do it for these smaller projects that aren't on centralized exchanges is to use KyberSwap. There's also a link in the description um, to Kyber as well if you want to use it, which is like one of the best. Um, DEX aggregators, and they're also a show sponsor now, which is fantastic. This is like basically, if you want to swap anything in DeFi, then you use KyberSwap because it'll route it. So if you want to go like ETH to Metis, it'll it'll route that through UniSwap V3. Or let's say we want to go ETH to Balancer, um, it'll find it'll find the best place to do it, like through Balancer. Or ETH to GRT, which is an AI project, it'll use UniSwap and it sort of it finds the best route. So yeah, for spot Dex stuff. KyberSwap link in the description is great because a lot of these AI projects just aren't on centralized um, exchanges. Although, as I said, Ocean is, the graph is, um, and you could trade them on BitGet or Bybit. Let's look through the comments now and kind of go through stuff. Bybit introduced FET USDT. Great. That's a really good update. Thank you for letting me know. Um, so, yeah, there's a link to Bybit in the description, of course. Uh, every trade is an entry into the Rolex giveaway so if you do like 10 trades you get 10 entries 100 trades 100 entries 200 trades 200 entries so the more you trade the more chance you have of winning the rolex um, we're giving that away by the end of february we already um we've already started looking at um looking at uh giving that away kyber swaps awesome i agree i was actually super stoked for them to come on as a sponsor because i've genuinely been using kyber for months just in my own personal like trading journey and yeah then i said like we want to sponsor a show i was like 100 percent um, cause I already use your product. So there's no better product market fit from a sponsorship perspective than one I actually use. Um, and that's, yeah, it, it was fantastic. What's up from Melbourne. What's up, man. We actually had the dump yesterday during Melbourne time. So if we, if we saw this huge candle, um, to the downside that actually happened like afternoon for us. So I was like sitting on my computer trying to do some work and I just couldn't focus. I was like, <laughs> trying to like catch longs and then I caught a huge bounce on Bitcoin and then I de risked and then I got into some AI stuff and they pumped and then I missed some entries. It was it was madness yesterday. It was absolute madness. Kyber Swap picks the lowest fees, bro. Yeah. It, it doesn't charge. it charges a tiny percentage. It'll actually show you the percentage um and the slippage here. So it picks it actually automatically aggregates the lowest possible um swap price. So it gets the best price and automatically gives it to you. So yeah, the fees are one of the reasons why it's good. Uh, let's check out some other questions. So a couple more. Uh, 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 didn't realize VET's AI based. Well, the thing is with a lot of these AI projects is they're pseudo AI, meaning a lot of projects now slip, uh, slap the word AI on their white paper and now try and like take capture upside from that hype, even though they're not really AI. That's something I see happen a lot. Going down hard, don't buy in. Yeah, don't don't try and catch longs. Don't try and catch pumps. You guys have got my levels for a strong bounce. Always buy at um, support, um, n- and, and never long into resistance. And then you can set your stop below the previous week. Very 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 simple in terms of trading long scenario here. Um, you don't want to kind of catch a um, a falling knife. The only thing you might be able to catch is the LSD stuff because I don't. I think it has enough relative strength that it, that you don't get wrecked. Um, whereas yeah, you can ape into AI and get wrecked now, like hundred percent. Whereas like aping into Lido, probably less chance to get wrecked. Thank you for joining from the UK, by the way. Um, Luba, thank you very much because I know it's super late for you, so I appreciate it. So I'm going to head off now. I will be live three times this weekend, so you're probably going to sick of me by the end of the weekend, so I'll head off. Um, Hopefully, this was a good uh, market update for you guys to get an understanding of what's happening, how the SEC is going after staking, um, the narratives that could be affected, and I'm going to see you next uh well i'll see you in like 12 hours for another show and then 12 hours and then 12 i'll be streaming like three times this weekend so you'll see enough of me i'll catch you in the next one peace out guys thank you for joining